Michael, remember when we uh, joked about those uh, half-ass predictions such as, don't be surprised if, uh, you right, know, right, or right. it wouldn't shock me. If yeah. I feel like I yeah. snuck one of those in there. I think I, I think it was in passing. I snuck one What'd of those. Man, don't underestimate Alabama in the SEC championship game. I mean, Alabama, it's, it's, still, it's still Alabama. I know it's, they're Alabama. not as dominant as, as last year, but it's still Alabama. So I'm not taking credit for that prediction because I didn't come out and just say it. But I, but even though I thought there was a chance, um, a good chance, that Nick Saban's Crimson Tide would beat Georgia, I didn't think the Tide would roll like that. Uh, they made it look easy against the previous number one Bulldogs. They made the committee's job that much easier, not having to worry about, you know, the scenario of a two-loss Bama team that narrowly lost uh, in the SEC title to the number one team. Should they get in over a one-loss Notre Dame or what have you? So, Michael, if you hear that, if you listen carefully, I want you to listen carefully, not to the music, but listen for something else. Tell me if you hear the sound of silence. And that's the silence that comes from no complaining, no controversy, they got it right. The committee got it right. No need for expansion. As I've been saying, the rightful final four is in place, starting with number one, Alabama. Number two, sorry to make your stomach turn off the top of a Monday show to start the week. Number two, the Michigan Wolverines. Yes. After uh, curb stomping the Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's just let's go ahead and park <laughs> on that curb right there. Let's just park on I, that I, curb. You know, you yeah, okay? How yeah, you feeling? I knew that one. Yeah, I, and listen, I feel fine. You know why I feel fine? Because it was clear, probably like 10 minutes of the game. I was like, man, this team's got no <laughs> offense at all. They got no offense. I got, look, admittedly, I haven't really kept up. I, you know, I don't follow Iowa football all that closely, so I haven't been keeping up with them. My big question coming out of this game is not no. Hey, Michigan House, Michigan number two. How was Iowa? How they win ten games? <laughs> <laughs> they were thirteen. Well, That's the thirteenth best team in the country. Really? I mean, they had no shot. They had no shot. It was fourteen to three at halftime, and I was watching Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops was like, "Hey, you know, Iowa's got to hit that. They got to hit that play right there. Could, this, yeah, this this could be fourteen to ten. Oh, okay. Instead of 14 to 3, it can be 14 10. Okay, coach. Uh, I don't know what that'll do for them. So, anyway, uh, congrats to Michigan. Unfortunately, they got a tough matchup. That's a really tough, like those teams, Michigan matching up against Georgia. Said, wait, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Rewind, rewind, rewind. That's rewind, tough. Rewind. Just want to just hear that again. Just want to hear that again. You said congrats to Michigan. Congrats to Michigan. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Not, I was, that's not, not what I was listen. expecting. I'm not rooting for him. I want Georgia. Okay, <laughs> okay, because that was my next question. Okay, I didn't, I, I didn't I know. See. I didn't know because you need. You have to explain to me how deeply the hatred runs because I know you put on oh, for the Big Ten, and in the past we have argued because you hate the yeah. SEC. That's how much you yeah. ride for the Big Ten, but that that loyalty yeah, stops I, here. I, I like this. It stops here. I like the SEC. I like the SEC more than I like Michigan. I'll take it clear. in that matchup Crystal SEC clear. versus Michigan. Give me give me the SEC easily. Gotcha. Easily. Anyway. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're right, Mike. They, they got it. They got it right. And the only thing you can quibble over is should Alabama have dominated? I mean, they dominated, but should Alabama have been one? Should Cincinnati have been four? 
maybe Cincinnati, Alabama's a right for one. Undefeated. Alabama's a right for one. I would have put Cincinnati at three. I would have Cincinnati three right, because three. I don't know that you could say that right, anybody is playing. Well, I, well, you're right. You're right. And if, and if, but if that's the case, they're number one. If, and especially even if you want to go back to last year, um, and if that factors into you thinking at all and how they played against Georgia in the bowl game, look, Cincinnati as the undefeated conference champion that they are and is as pressive as they looked against Houston, you could make a case for number one if you're just talking about resume. But the way Alabama dominated Georgia and being the champions of the best conference in the country with apologies to your Big right. Ten, you know, Alabama's the rightful is. number one. No I don't think anybody's playing better right now, though, than Michigan. Michigan's two for me in terms of just best team. Good old-fashioned eye test. Best team. Big Ten champ that dominate think, right now. Do you, do you I, really I don't like Michigan Georgia is, as three, though. You think Michigan's better than Georgia? You think Michigan, like, if you if you just look at both of those teams, I know Georgia, it's hard. You know, they go into this game at 12-0, and 0, and everybody says, hey, they're the best team. They're going to beat Alabama closely. They're favored to beat Alabama. If you look at Michigan and Georgia side-by-side, side, you think Michigan's better? I don't. No, no, I'm saying in terms of I don't I wouldn't Michigan playing the way they're playing having won the Big Ten. You can't I don't I wouldn't have ranked Georgia two. I wouldn't have gone Alabama Georgia one two. It, you're splitting hairs with Michigan and Georgia in terms of who's better. Right. The good news is we get to find right. out and we get to find out because regardless of what the committee says, I don't I believe that they know that Cincinnati should have at the lowest been number three. Cincinnati should have been three. Georgia should have been four. But nobody would have wanted to see a rematch that quickly. So if we get an Alabama Georgia rematch, we get it after both teams earned it by beating Cincinnati and Michigan respectively. And I think that rematch at SEC championship game rematch would be yeah. a little more palatable in the final than it would be in the semifinal coming off of Alabama convincingly beating Georgia. But Cincinnati should have been three and Michael right now. I'm trying to get my head to match my heart. Because I'm rooting for Cincinnati to win the whole thing. I'm rooting for Sauce Gardner to win Desmond the whole Ritter, thing. Luke Fickle and Cincinnati to win the whole thing. I would love to see that happen. But in my mind, my mind is telling me that Alabama go Alabama is going to do this damn thing again. That's what my that's my mind is telling me that Alabama beats well, Cincinnati and beats the winner of Michigan, Georgia. And then we're having a conversation about Nick Saban among the greatest coaches of all time, regardless of sport or level again. And then you're back to telling me how easy college football is compared to the NFL. I'm, I'm trolling. Well, I'm uh, just trolling. Uh, well, no, that's okay. That's all right. Because it's easier. It's easier than I know. the NFL. But, I, I know. <laughs> um, that headline, that headline can go a little bit. Uh, this is not my main point, but you no, know, Cincinnati has a chance to be college football's long-awaited Cinderella. No, college sports in general. College basketball. I know you don't. You don't buy in Cinderellas with basketball. I know you don't buy in that. Anyway, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, but you said something off the top, and the only debate is one loss. You're only separated by one loss. She said, "Hey, I know Alabama's not as dominant as last year. Now, last year, I will tell you, the best college football team I've seen in my entire life was Alabama. Alabama last year, undefeated was, in I the think SEC. That for most people." Best, yeah. best team, I, best college Ran football team shot. I've ever seen. Just record crazy. setting, yeah. yeah. But they didn't lose a game. I think right now, the way Alabama is playing, Alabama had that one loss to Texas yep. A&M. Uh, and, and good season for Texas A&M. Not a scrub team. Uh, they they won a couple of games they shouldn't have won. They lost a couple of games they shouldn't have lost. 
but a, a good college football team and they lost that game narrowly to A&M. Yeah, but now so the way yeah. they're playing now they're right there. They're right. They're there. right. They're no, right. They're, they're, right, they're, under. They they're right under last so, year's Alabama team. Speaking of right under um, let's look at the New Year's six bowls and okay. what I'm honing on is number five. Uh, the Notre Dame fighting Irish taking on uh, Oklahoma State um, led by uh, the official coach of this show now one Marcus <laughs> Fiesta Bowl Notre Dame OSU usually coaches get a, a, a scrimmage <laughs> they get a little warm-up yeah. game my man Marcus yeah. Freeman is jumping right in Debuting in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State coming off the loss in the Big 12 game. I believe that this was a blessing from touchdown Jesus for the University okay. of Notre Dame. You shouldn't be surprised about a free man named Marcus because where did he go to school? First of all, where's his alma mater? This is how we built man. This is what we do uh, in the Buckeye State Notre Dame keeps continuity. They keep consistency. They keep cohesion. They keep culture. They keep connection. All those things remain in place. So we ready to do that? Yes, sir. All right, so what I'm going to do now, okay, because you're brand new head football coach. I don't care who we play. Okay? I don't care who the opponent is. In 48 hours, right, we're going to get together and we're going to get going for this mission. We owe it to the Chiefs. This isn't about the future. Let's be clear. This, this, that's a disservice to this group. This isn't about the future. This isn't about next year. This isn't about five years from now. It's about right now. It's about finishing this season off the right way for your seniors. Everybody clear. I don't care about anything else. Right? We all got a job to do. I care about us and this group and this coaching staff and this football family finishing this thing off the way we have to. And it's that type of energy why I believe that Notre Dame has gotten themselves a star in the making and new head coach uh, Marcus Freeman who not a half hour ago was delivering his introductory press conference taking a Q&A just fresh off of a team meeting and is kind enough to join brother from another. First of all, coach, congratulations. Curious about what was your message? We saw what you said to them when you got introduced to them in the locker room. What was your message uh, today uh, in, in the team meeting as you try to turn the page toward Oklahoma State? Well, I think, you know, it was it was actually refreshing to kind of get to work and the whole the past 48 hours has kind of been media and you know celebrating and my job is to get these guys prepared to win versus Oklahoma State and so we just had a team meeting I said hey guys this is it's time to go now right and we the the, the thing that worries me is we got to go on road recruiting so you're not going to have coaches here for the next five days and so I really let in uh, went into the leadership and said listen it's your job to make sure everybody understands what the standard is everybody understands what we have to do this next week because this is going to help us prepare to win a championship and so that's what that team meeting was about and then I'm coming to see you guys and then I got to get on this plane and we got to get recruiting well uh, we, we will be efficient uh, coach Freeman <laughs> I gotta tell you that um, you mentioned a 
you mentioned the past 48 hours. How about the past two years? I mean, did you ever think, okay, uh, by this time, some people say that, hey, by this time next year, I want to have a head coaching opportunity. I want to do this. What was your, what's this been like? I'm sure you didn't think, okay, um, at the end of the 2021 season, uh, I expect to be the head coach of Notre Dame. Yeah, that definitely wasn't something I thought about. Um, you know, I've always been the type of person to just work where your butt is. That was the advice that Jim Trestle gave. He always told me, work as hard as you can where your butt is. And that's what I did at Cincinnati for those four years. And the result is that well, you get an opportunity to be the defense coordinator at Notre Dame. And at one year here as a defense coordinator at Notre Dame, I worked as hard as I can. I worked where my butt is. Um, I love my players. And what is the result is you get the opportunity to be the head coach at the University of Notre Dame. And so I never thought about this was the objective. This is what I wanted in a year. But um, I'm, I'm definitely happy with the results. Well, speaking of working where your bed is, we just saw a shot of uh, the picture you posted of, of your gorgeous family. Uh, we are, we're a family program. Would love to know what this whirlwind has been like for them. I, I know you had a lot of consultation, smart man. That's how you got a gorgeous family. You had a lot of consultation with the misses uh, when yeah. Coach Kelly offered you LSU and you went through the process of taking Notre Dame. But just now that their dad, their husband, is the head coach at Notre Dame, what has this week, these past few days, been like for your family? Well, I haven't had a, a lot of time to spend with them, you know, but I think those kids think their dad is pretty cool, you know, and so <laughs> right now everything is all, you know, on a high note, but I mean, there's going to be times where daddy's got to be dad and you got to discipline, you got to help your kids grow and, and that's never going to change. But I think right now they're just, they're really excited to see their dad on billboards, dad on posters and, and things like that. So I think they think it's pretty cool. Um, my wife's been a rock star. She's been great. And uh, she's the one kind of I go I get to go do all these media things and, and speaking engagements. And she's the one that has to get those six kids ready. She's got to find outfits. She's got to get them to bed. She's got to make sure they brush their teeth. And so um, she's a rock star and uh, she's the only way I'm able to do this job. Um, she's the only person that can help me do it. We know what that six is. Six kids. We know that's the truth. You said six kids. <laughs> we have six between us. The two of us have six <laughs> combined. <laughs> um, six kids. Okay. Like. Now, okay, that's a coaching. That's a preparation for coaching right there. What have you taken from parenthood fatherhood and applied to your job in football? Well, it's just about, you know, the hard part is you you can easily cheat your kids that are at home for the kids you're with every day. The, the ones that play football for you, but you know, it's it's all about intentional time. It's all about spending time with your kids at home, your kids here and getting to know them and that they know they trust you. And, and it's a little bit easier at home because you can have that blind faith. You can have that, you know, dad says do something and they do it, but dad doesn't always what's right. That's not what the situation calls for all the time. And so I try to remind myself that I have to continue to tell them why, because that's what I have to do here as the head coach or as a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, you have to tell these kids why. And that's something that we promote here is the challenge everything mentality is that let's find a better way. We always don't have to agree, but if you know why, it will be a, there'll be a better way to do it. And that's what I try to take here at work. And I also got to try to apply it at home more often. You know, uh, Marcus, you had an incredible uh, football journey. You played at the greatest football university in, in the land at Ohio State. <laughs> now you're coaching at, you know, arguably the second greatest for some. And Notre Dame, well, you can tell I grew up in Ohio, still cape up, cape up for the scarlet and great. But 
at Notre Dame, I know there are different standards and, and a lot of people have talked about that. And sometimes they talk about it in a negative way that, you know, you can't do things at Notre Dame. You can't recruit uh, all out at Notre Dame like you can at LSU or Alabama. There are restrictions and there are standards that you have to abide you by. Uh, one, do you agree with that? And two, um, you know, how do you, if you do agree with it, you know, how do you uh, navigate it? Well, yeah, we, we have certain standards. We have certain requirements that it takes to have success at Notre Dame. And that is to protect the student. That is protect these kids that, you know, we want to make sure that they have the ability to have success here. But how I see it is, is if you fit Notre Dame, no matter where you're from, no matter what your upbringing is like, if you fit Notre Dame, there is no better opportunity for you to go to college because you're going to have a chance to win a national championship here. We're going to play off two out of the past three years. We're ranked fifth this year. And, and But what Notre Dame's going to do for you, because you have to go through those struggles, you've got to understand the, the, the tough academic requirements. You're going to have to understand the demands of what you do the minute you step outside your dorm. Everything's being watched. That's going to pay off. That's what makes Notre Dame special is the people. It's those people that are here now, but those people that can go through here and after four years, they're spread throughout the world. That's the network that Notre Dame is a part of. And that's what's going to help make sure every person that can make it through this place has success. And so I tell these young people when I'm recruiting them that it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to set you up for success. So it's going to be tough. But the reward you get after four years at this place is going to be a lifelong of, of achievements. Because so many people have looked at the high standards as a negative, as a challenge when it comes to recruiting. Conversely, you've embraced it. You know, you talked about it in your press conference. Everybody that, that's talked about you since you first came up for this job and, and got the job has talked about how quickly in just a year on campus you get it. You get the Notre Dame brand and you're selling it as an advantage. And I wonder how your uh, transition from retirement in 2010 to looking to the next chapter, how that's informed how you view this Notre Dame total package and therefore how you sell it. it you, you hit it right on the nail. I mean, you hit it right on the head. It's just that if we can get the young people to see the moment they're done playing, right? If you can get to that, somehow you can picture that moment that you're done playing, you'll realize the rest of your life is so much longer than those four years you're playing college football or however long you're in the NFL. And what you want to do is you can strain for four years. You can strain mentally. You can strain physically and understand that in four years, when you're done playing, you're set. And that's what I want to make sure I convey to these young people is that if you want something easy, then it's not going to be worth anything, you know, but strain for four years, get your degree, go to class, do everything that's difficult because it's going to help you for the rest of your life. It's not even going to help you. I'm not just saying just in the network of Notre Dame, but it's going to help you be a better father. It's going to help you be a better husband because you're going to learn that it takes intentional actions to have success. It's not natural. You have to be intentional on your actions if you want to have success. Last thing before we let you go catch this flight to, Love uh, to Love that. Gold Star mm -hmm. Security's five-star prospects, these, <laughs> these, these new Notre Dame men, is um, – yeah, ever since your name first uh, came up when Coach Kelly left, and in a day since, I keep uh, coming across uh, the same type of word, uh, excitement, energy, enthusiasm, vibe. And I know you talked about maintaining the culture, and that was a big part of, of, of you being hired. How do you plan to build upon the current culture uh, that Coach Kelly and yourself helped establish? And how do you plan to put the Marcus Freeman 
spin on the culture around Notre Dame moving forward? I think the biggest change is going to be maybe how I lead. And I'm not, I've never done this before, right? But all I know how to do is to lead with my heart. And I told those kids in that meeting that I'm going to give you my heart. And I'm going to do everything led by emotion. I'm going to do everything that's authentic. And you're going to realize, don't, don't compare me to anybody else. Just trust that I'm going to do whatever is in my power to make sure we have success. And that's, to me, the, the change that's going to be a little bit different is that we're going to do this thing together. And I'm going to admit there's going to be times that I make mistakes. But if you understand that I care about you and that every intention, every action and intention that I have is to make sure you have success, I think they, they trust you. And that's what we got to continue to build is that trust between the head coach and the players. Our culture here is unbelievable, but they got to understand they have a head coach that has their back. They got a head coach that's going to push them because anything, as I said earlier, anything worthwhile, it takes discomfort. It takes hard work. But if you have a head coach, you feel trust you, right? That you trust your head coach, you're going to be willing to run through brick walls. And that's what we got to do in order to achieve our success. I know I speak for Michael. Uh, I'm ready to run a brick, run through a brick wall for you. I think we both are. <laughs> so you successfully recruited us. Let's go. <laughs> we're, we're fans. We got a couple uh, spots. We appreciate left. you. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. Just fans. You don't want that. No, no just as fans. We want you. I'm just saying, you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that. Thank you so much. We know your your, your day is a whirlwind. It's hectic. You just did your press conference, your team meeting. You're about to hit the recruiting trail. We appreciate you blessing our show and taking the time out of your busy schedule for us. We hope to talk to you again real soon. All the best to you and your family, Coach. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Anytime. All right. Talk to you later. I like to give you that second slice of humble pie. Uh, well, if you oh, don't yeah. mind. Now, I, I like this one. This, I know what this is. Do you? Uh, as a matter of fact, okay. I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming a long time ago. I look forward to this one. And this is a slice of humble pie that I may send back to its baker. <laughs> Bengals then embarrassed your Steelers twice. And I ask that you would humble yourself enough to acknowledge that this ain't the same old Bengals. Once and for all, um, acknowledge it. Yeah, okay. What happened you know, was I, not I, a miracle, oh. but I still want you okay. to acknowledge it. All right. They are not the same old Bengals in that they got seven wins already. <laughs> you know, if they finish seven so and ten, eight and nine, so stubborn. That's a pretty good year for Cincinnati, because you know what's going to happen. Right, they got the Chargers next. You know what's gonna happen? They, they, okay, they're gonna lose to the Chargers. They gonna lose I, I because it's the Bengals, Mike. It's I, the Bengals. No, because it's you. About no, because it's they're you. Like, Cause it's you. It's... <laughs> Remember that laugh? You said you hate. You hate it. You hate it. Oh wow. So Paul Doherty says elite teams don't do what the Bengals have done this year. Uh, you got it. Hey, right. hey, Paul. I, re, I reject hey, Paul. the premise, but okay. I reject hey, the Paul. Premise, but okay. Uh, that's why that's why you've been a columnist there for a long time. You got your finger on the pulse, don't you? He's been watching Cincinnati sports for a long time. I mean, I grew up reading that dude. I mean, he's been there for a long time. Paul Doherty. Uh, as a matter of fact, he used to work before he was at the Cincinnati Inquirer. I think he was at the Cincinnati Post. So he's seen like it only Cincinnati Post may not even exist anymore. Point is, he knows. He knows what you don't know. Paul Doherty up close has the restraint 
that I've been trying to give you. I've been trying to see. See, this has gone too far, and I know the root of this disagreement. And it's just unfortunate that this fight had to get to this level. Look, look, Mike, you won this fight. You would have won this fight. All you had to do is just punch me a couple times and walk away. But you, you know, you want to make a fight out of something else. The fight was, if you remember, it was Jamar Chase versus Penne Sewell. <laughs> knockout. No, it, no, it, knockout. Right. Well, that was that was the beginning, but then it you 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 decided to to double down on certain franchises don't want to win, so that that's what it really that's how and so because that was your issue with the draft pick like no I remember it I remember it because you you your your disagreement oh. with Chase over Sewell was rooted in your disdain. For the Bengals, for the Bengals. historically, no the matter who's really running the, the franchise right now, it was about it, yes. Even though they've changed how they do business, it was really that. So, but no, this Not is really. your time. I'm sorry. Let me stop. Okay. This is your time. No, no, Go ahead. no, no. This is your time. No, no. It's our time. No, it's our time. It's our time. It's our time <laughs> because I, I need you. I need you to say, okay, that's enough. I need you to do no. a, a Rudy. Oh. I, I need you Hell to do a no. Rudy and Malcolm X. You got it. Oh, what? What? Rudy says I got it. I got it. Say no. you got it. Okay. No. Say no. you got it. Say no, it. No, say I'm it. not. I'm Go not. Ahead. No. Look, man. No. Hey. No. I'm not. Let me tell you about it. That's okay. what I'm sorry. Right. You got to, if that's what this you think, I'm going to say you got another thing coming. Okay. This team, I'll say, I'm going to say something nice about them. I'm going to say something nice about them because I'm not going to go back. It's too easy to make the historical argument about the Cincinnati Bengals who haven't won a playoff game in, let's see, what year is this again? Uh, almost 32 years. Almost 32 years. It's going to be 32 because they're not going to make the playoffs this year. But so that's too easy. I haven't won a playoff game since 1990. But I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you something I do like about the Bengals. They're not ready this year. <clears throat> Maybe next year or the year after. Because, you know, like a, a Bengal, you know what a Bengal cat is? Bengal cat, and this is good for you because you got three kids, I got three kids. Bengal cats are adorable. They're cute. They're good for they're good for families. Oh, they're, they're now, oh, oh, now you're being condescending. They're, they're playful, and and so you know they they got they got that thing. They'll tease you a little bit. They'll pretend like they're a Bengal tiger, but it's a Bengal cat. It's a cute little cat. It's a cute little cat. You know, the put kittens. it on your lap. Go in the family the room. Go in. The, hey, hey, hey. Go in that uh, that nice little theater you got, Mike. Bring the cat in. Bring in the Bengal cat, and then sit okay. on your lap. Oh. Oh, okay. you said it's our you time. Kinda, you said it's our time. You, you, let me stop you, you now. Let me stop you now. It? Let me stop you now. First of all, I just they ain't let, ready. Let's, let's, just, let's go back to yesterday. I get your point. Let's go back to yesterday. You I basically you waved the white about flag. Our on, conversation? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I okay. waved the white okay. flag when it was twenty-four to nothing, and well, I was I like, I'll to. be damned. I was like, I'll be damned. I was like, of course, of course. But we did not correspond when it was 24-22. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let you sit up and tell me you wasn't getting nervous when it was 24-22. I was So I wasn't. let's not act like the Chargers ran away with this. The Bengals bangled insofar as they dug a hole for themselves that they couldn't get out of. Now, having which said that, never done before. having said that, okay, last I checked, <laughs> which was five minutes ago, they were okay. still... Seven, they're still in the seventh spot in the playoffs. Seven and five. See the problem. The, the 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 premise that I got to reject from Doc was elite teams don't do this. Ain't nobody said there was elite. I ain't never said the Bengals were elite. I ain't never said they right, were okay. going to win the AFC. I said they were legit. You did. You did. Now the right. difference between a contender 
and a competitive team is consistency. But the difference is consistency. And they they lack consistency, the Bengals do. That they lack. But I still believe this team, if they hold on to the seventh spot or better, this team is capable of pulling an upset in the playoffs. And I I emphasize upset. I emphasize upset. And here's why. Right, because what I learned about the Bengals yesterday, that's the only way they're going to thrive. That's the only way they're going to thrive. Forget the cat. Forget the tiger. Forget the kitten. Forget the cat comparison. They need to be underdogs. They are not going to handle prosperity very well. They need to catch people off guard. They need to go on the road. They don't need expectations attached to them. Okay, but I still believe if Joe Burrow's finger isn't too bad or Logan Wilson's injury isn't too bad or if Joe Mixon can hold on to the ball or better yet if Jamar Chase can catch the ball. Okay, Chase is that dude running rough for offensive rookie of the year. Okay, offensive rookie of the year. But bro, stop playing volleyball. It's, it's, it's football, not volleyball. That, that the interception that should have been a touchdown yeah. that he literally decided I'm going to drop this and allow it to be an interception. I was like, I'm, I, he's got eight drops this year. Make that your last drop. Okay, but nonetheless, I still believe that this team is capable of beating anybody just as it's capable of losing to anybody. See Mike White's Jets. The last point I'll make before I yeah. give it back to you is this. All right. They didn't lose to just anybody yesterday. To me, this is about the Chargers who have been known to be a tease themselves. They are the tease right. the, the Chargers have the player at quarterback who if the 2020 draft were redrafted would go number one overall. He Herbert would go before Joe, Joe Burrow. I think we'd all agree on that. So that I, wasn't I just anybody. No, I, I, okay, I fine. I just well, really? I, 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 you I, I, yes, if the 2020 okay. draft were being held again, most teams would take Justin Herbert first overall instead of and Joe you Burrow. would you would take Herbert would, over yeah. Burrow? and I love Joe okay. Burrow, but I would take Herbert over him based on what I've okay. seen so far. Not granted, you know, Burrow got hurt last year, but based on what I've seen so far, Burrow's. I'm taking Justin Herbert yeah, over Burrow's Joe Burrow. Nice. But regard my point is the Chargers are a talented okay. team at one point. We thought that they might be taking a step forward. So they didn't just lose to they didn't lose to the Jaguars at home. They didn't lose yeah. to the well, they have lost to the Jets. They didn't lose to the Texans. They lost to a team that's right there with them contending to get in the playoffs as a wild card. So I got nothing to take back. I still believe in the Bengals because I never yeah. believed that they were going to win the whole thing. I believe that they can make the playoffs and maybe win a game. And nothing that happened you yesterday changes will, that for not me. Not can make the playoffs. See, that's one of those you're dancing around. You think they will make the playoffs? Or I they don't can dance. make the playoffs. Because, I don't have enough rhythm okay, to dance. So go ahead. So well, I know I, we saw the video. We saw the video where my man said you were dancing to the words uh, of the <laughs> Bell Bib DeVoe. Uh, but anyway, um, so are you saying they will make the playoffs? I'm just trying to get you on the record. I want to get you on the record. I think it's pretty clear. Like, yes, okay. If it makes you, if you need to hear the words, yes, they yes. will make the playoffs. They're in the seventh spot, so my position is a little tenuous at the moment. But, but yes, they'll real, make the playoffs. Not, and if they really. don't, we, I know that I'm gonna have to eat it. So yes, they're not. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I'm not gonna dilly dally. You're right because they could contend for a playoff spot. That's trying to have it both ways. They'll make the playoffs. Yes, and, and yes, they'll still here, make the playoffs. Here's the bottom line. Here's, and here's the funny thing about this whole argument with the Bengals. As I argue a little bit, as I go to your side just very briefly, then I'm going to jump away from it because it's, it's Cincinnati. Another team, I might stay there for a while, but no, I'm not staying in this house. This this house is crazy. It's haunted. It's a haunted house. Um, 
if, if, if New England loses tonight, you're talking about the clubhouse leader in the AFC with eight wins. That team, well, whoever yeah. it is, that it'll, team's if it'll, be, t- it'll loses, be Tennessee. It's going to be eight wins. It'll eight be it'll four. be Tennessee, by the way. It'll be and, so, and if the big, if the if the Bills win tonight, Tennessee will be back in the pole position in the AFC. As uh, yeah, as so the top you're seat. you're only uh, after all this, uh, I'm talking about the Bengals and hey, and then, you know, and they may won't make the playoffs. They're only a one game out of the of the top spot in the conference, just in terms of wins. I'm not talking about conference record and all that stuff. Uh, that's one, but two. I disagree with you. Um, you said it's not like they lost to the Jets or lost to the Jaguars, even though they have lost to the Jets. They See, have, yeah. Cincinnati, it, Cincinnati and the Chargers are very similar. They're cousins. They're similar. They're, cousins. They're, they're similar historically. Chargers have been to the Super Bowl. That's the only thing. They've been. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And got beat down. But the, uh, and Cincinnati's been there too, but didn't get beat down. Yeah. Two great games. Anyway. They, they have they have this this star cross thing going this lots of talent. It doesn't work out. You wonder about ownership in both cases. You got to my point is you got to beat that team at home. Cincinnati is hosting mm. the Chargers. You've got to win that game and I, I don't if think you're to be ta- uh, if you're Chargers, to be taken seriously. So my, you're not you're not yeah, saying you expected you, them you to win, win it, one. but if you be taken seriously, they have to they have to win games like yesterday. The Chargers are not 19 points better than the Bengals. They're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably mm-hmm. a pick'em game. It's a game Cincinnati should have won by a field goal. I wonder how they'll respond. And this is part of growing up too, because if they're really, if they're really grown, if they really learn their lessons, yeah. what they'll do is now they'll come back, and you put it on a 49ers team that a lot of people are excited about. But the reality is they're six and six. They're, they're six, yeah. and six, six and I, six team. You're you're better than them. You got more. You should. That's a great that. challenge. You're better than them. That's the got to win that game. That's a great challenge for you to put on them. I I, I don't know that in, in this league anybody you could look at and say what they should have done. I think consistency is what's separating the Cardinals, the Packers, although they're not that far removed from the loss to the Vikings, um, the the Patriots who we'll see tonight. Consistency is what's really you know, separating the, the legit teams from really the rest of the league. The majority of the league will lose games, especially in this season, that we don't think they should. Should doesn't count for shit in 2021. But the AFC North right now is all over the place. I mean, you know, thanks to uh, the Browns are on a bye, so they sit at 6-6. Six and six. Um, And thanks to the Bengals and the Steelers and Ravens, we have two games separating first from fourth place. And nobody can look at their schedule and feel great about their chances to go on any kind of run. Um, You know, as Mike Tomlin said yesterday, last week was last week, this week is this week, and next week will be next week. But uh, speaking of Mike Tomlin, um, to quote my man uh, Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction, I should have better known better than to write the Steelers obituary going into a game against the Baltimore Ravens. Jackson in the gun. Freeman stands to his right. Freeman gets a fake. Big rush. He throws it. And it's a jab by Mark Andrews. Had one hand on it. Out in the right flat and it dropped the ball. And the Steelers preserve a victory with 12 seconds to go.
what went into the decision making to go for two instead of just try to win the game right there. We were pretty much out of corners, you know, at that point in time. So there's an opportunity to try to win the game right there. No, it did not. You know, they aggressively play analytics. Um, and, and so, you know, from that standpoint, they're predictable. <laughs> um, they aggressively start, no with, I was not surprised no <laughs> let's start with no. the last play let's start with but the last play camera. I, I liked it camera. but let's let's start with the last play let's start or the uh, the two-point conversion attempt I liked it and I like it more tell me if this makes sense I like it more because they didn't get it let's say that again okay, that is, I like uh, it more because they didn't get it because that, because to, to Tomlin's I, point, when you, you, when you, you have like a certain way to, yeah, that's what like I'm saying. You like when you thinking. approach the you game like a certain way, you live with the results. First of all, it was a well-designed play. Andrews was it open. It was great. Give props. It was yeah, great. Right. Give, prop, the, give props to TJ Watt, one of his, I don't know, dozen pressures that he had yesterday. He messes up the play or Fs up the play, and Lamar throws a bad pass. It was the right call. Marlon Humphrey had gone down. You got a chance to win the game and not mess around with a coin toss or first possession or field goal. None of that crap. Okay, even though you got Justin Tucker, you probably would have made the extra point. And I think I think speaking of analytics, here's what's interesting about it. If I'm not mistaken, next gen stats said that their model suggested that they should have kicked the extra point and played for overtime. I believe that to be the yeah. case. Um, yeah, but instead yeah, I, yeah. I like them. I love them going for two and I love them missing it because I know that Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, I beg your pardon, will not be dissuaded from going for it the next time an opportunity presents itself. Okay, I don't like it. I don't no. like it based on even no, though it would increase their win probability by 7.6% or okay, no, that, that's no. actually if they had to kick the extra point kick an extra point no. would have increased their win probability by 7.6%. I, I that's love it I by the way. About. This is a, yeah. so. This is this is a different. Here, here's a nine. Here's a nine years between us because I remember. So this is this is before your time. It was like a no. That looked like, like ten yard fight. Ten yard fight. Oh, I remember that game? Oh, okay. Oh, a ten, nope. a ten yard fight. I, I, even before a ten yard fight. Even before that, there was this little game. What? Used to plug it in, yeah. and, and the and the board the board would shake. Oh, I remember. Put I remember the little that. pieces on the board. Oh, it was great. That, yeah. It was great. Yeah, I remember. I that, can't remember yeah. the name of it. Anyway, I had that, and I was like ten. Might have just uh, been football. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> uh, so look, man, what you said, I agree with. What John Harbaugh said suggests that he wouldn't have done it if the corners were healthy. So wait a minute. So now let's go back. Which so okay, one? Which if one the corners are, if the corners are healthy, you're not going for it. So this is not an analytical decision. This was not about analytics. This was, was about more gut, attrition. More, more gut. Yeah, or just or maybe gut. it's just like yeah. I, yeah. I can't stop these guys. But then see, I, see, this takes me down a rabbit hole. That's why I don't like his answer. What I'm trying to tell you is I didn't like his answer at all because now I start thinking about sudden, a, a lot of things. Wait a minute. All right, so you know who's going to get the ball first. You go into overtime. So they get the ball first. You don't know that it's a coin flip. Uh, mm -hmm. And and they're, they're gonna get the ball. For, they're gonna score a touchdown. You mean you have no court? You can't stop their receivers. You can't come up with. You're the Baltimore Ravens. You got versatile players. You're one of the best coaches in football. You mean to tell me you're, you're out of corners? Therefore, you can't stop them. You believe stop in the Ben Roethlisberger? Steelers. 
of all right. teams. You can't stop Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. You believe yeah. in Roethlisberger. You believe in Roethlisberger that much. You've seen him about a hundred times. You know all of his tendencies. So mm-hmm. the answer really sent me down less. this. You're, yeah, no, you're right. and it, 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 that's one of those say less and not in the context that the kids say, but it's like just say had an opportunity to win the game because Michael Smith speaking in the third person Michael Smith likes three pointers three pointers for the win on the road and Michael Smith likes and, two point conversions two point. when you got a chance to win at the end of regulation Mike Vrabel would have gone for that. You know Mike Vrabel would have gone for two like I, I like the call independent of his convoluted mm. explanation yesterday. I like to call and try to go for the win and not play for overtime when you're right there. When and you're you know right what? there. I, I, with all that better said, execution, you win the game. Well, I was going to say, with all that said, brilliantly designed play. I mean, it's a great play. And uh, Tony Dungy did a really good job last night of breaking this down. And he said, on the play design, you're trying to fool two guys. You're trying to fool Minka Fitzpatrick and trying to fool TJ Watt. You fool one of them. Because Fitzpatrick, that's his guy. That's his guy. Yeah. And and he and he he was he was sitting there looking in the, the backfield. The other one just messed up the game. The other one had three and a half yeah. sacks and I think a dozen pressures and is on pace to break Strand's single season record. Um in the over the weekend, the most obvious the most obvious story was uh made into front page news, which was that this is Ben Roethlisberger's last season in Pittsburgh. Because the bigger story to me would be if somebody said it's not his last season in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's the story. I mean, like, like, oh, Ben Roethlisberger right. will be back next year. It's like, right. boy, what? You know? Really? Um, okay. But yesterday, Big Ben looked like he's still ticking because he had 200-something yards and two touchdowns, and he should have had a third. That was a pretty ball he threw to Deontay Johnson, who dropped it for another touchdown. So... Look, man, I, I know I'm telling uh, the terrible towel-waving Michael Holly uh, something that he already knows, but to discount that dude's team, you know, especially the attitude they approached the week with, putting on the pads, uh, was a mistake on my part and anybody else that decided to write off the Pittsburgh Steelers prematurely. But hold on. And, and you know, on this story, and let's go back to Roethlisberger for a second. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin. I love Mike Tomlin quotes. Uh, you know, just, you know, favorite poets. Uh, you know, my, my, my ongoing favorite poets list, Robert Hayden, Terrence Hayes, Mike Tomlin, you know, <laughs> you just always come up with something that, that you haven't thought of before. Um, then the story, the story said that the story was that he's, it's his last season in Pittsburgh, not his last season. I, I picked, I picked up on that. I, I, yeah, right? I said in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, I don't know who was so thinking about signing. Thomas said, I thought he was funny. going somewhere he was, else. Nope. Yeah. Nobody said he was retiring. It said it was his last season in Pittsburgh, and I can't imagine. I should get used to it now. I see Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform. Uh, we saw Joe Montana in a, a Chiefs, a, you know, Chiefs uniform. It, you know, Brett Favre all over the place. It was a Jet. He was a Viking. It shouldn't be shocking. But this is one. Yeah, but they I could. Just can't they could imagine. play though. They could still play a little bit at a higher level than Ooh. Ben has shown. I no. I, again, and Ben, look. I just, I just said out of one side of my mouth. Ben was ticking. Big Ben was still so ticking yesterday. I don't think that Ben can play at a high enough level where there's going to be a market for him elsewhere. Not to mention, if you're Ben, do you want to pick up and start over somewhere else? When wherever you go, that team is going. The clock is going to be ticking on Big Ben to pass the torch to whatever quarterback they draft. So you're either getting replaced in I Pittsburgh or you're getting replaced somewhere else. 
That's that's how it's gonna go for. Yeah, that. it's just so weird. In the meantime, I mean, it's like he may not be done winning the AFC North the way this season is going. I'm not gonna go that far. I think they got a long way to go, and and they they happen to match up with Baltimore historically. They those games yeah. are always close. Those games are are memorable. They don't match up with the rest of the division all that well, particularly Cincinnati. Cincinnati had its way oh, with no. Pittsburgh in two games this year. So, and it already got a win over Cleveland. They got a win over Cleveland. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I don't think they're, I don't think they're divisional favorites. So I'd be shocked if they win the division. I wouldn't say favorites. I wouldn't say favorites, but at this point. I'd be point, shocked if they win it. Nothing would surprise me. I know you still got Baltimore. That would. I, I know you still got That Baltimore. would surprise me. Yeah. No, I know you still. I know you still got Baltimore, so we'll see. Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore will get in. Baltimore win the division. Cincinnati will be the wild card. The other two will be at home. Okay. Pittsburgh is a wild card. Last week or out there today, give you some insight into how to keep that competitiveness going and dial it up again. Last week was last week. This week is this week. Next week will be next week. I'm just, I'm not going to ever write them off. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Last that was week a mistake was on my week. part. This week is this week. Like, I was like, oh, they're done. <laughs> not quite. Next week will be next week. <laughs> and the standard. from the end zone they've got to have. Four seconds to go. They can win it with a touchdown. First victory of the year on the line. Goff's got it. Back, looks, throws, and yes. caught! Touchdown to Trevor! They did it! On the run, they brought the receiving end! Oh, they're rushing the field! They've done it! Three zeros on the clock! This game is over! It's over! Oh, my goodness. First thing I would start with, uh, this game ball goes to the whole Oxford community. All those were affected. Um, And that being said, man, I just, you know, I just, I want us to not forget these names, Madison Baldwin, Hannah St. Juliana. Justin Schilling, Tate Muir, Phoebe Arthur, uh, John Ashuda, Riley France, Elijah Mueller, Kylie Osiji, Aiden Watson, and Molly Darnell, who's a teacher. Um, those those names um, for all those uh, you know will never be forgotten, and they're in our hearts and our prayers, and all the families, and not to mention all those that were affected. Yo, that was incredible. Mm. Because this is Dan Campbell's first win as head coach of the Lions. Yeah. After a 0-10 and one start, and his priorities were still, and his heart was still in the right place enough to dedicate that win in that game. Yeah. To the Oxford shooting victims. I mean, that's that's classy. That's classy. That's moving. Um, congratulations to the Lions because it's like. You know, I, this is where it's like all the years, Michael, I know, you know, you, you as well, you spent around coaches and GMs and a lot of that, it's hard for that coach speak to not kind of sink in and become your way of thinking. 
So that's right. I, I apologize in advance if I start to, you know, spew cliches, but it's like this is what they're talking about when they said like, and it, and it's the same in life. It's like, you know, keep pounding or keep chopping wood or, you know, or whatever whatever the phrase you want to say. Yeah, whatever the phrase you want to say. It's like when you finally get that result. You know, it's like trust the process even, you know, it's like this process that we've been going through week after week, day after day, practice after practice, meeting after meeting for it to finally pay off. Doesn't necessarily validate the process as much as it rewards the process. You know, the process is what it is and you got to believe in that regardless of what the outcome is and for those guys to keep believing enough to even when they looked like they were about to choke this thing away again, it was what 20 to six and then they turn it over and it's 27 23 and it's like, but they go down with a 14 play drive, you know, yeah. to get this touchdown at on the, on the last play and reward those fans. So a friend of mine said yesterday, it was like, why do people even go to Lions games at this point? I mean, so not just yeah. the Lions players and coaches, but those fans who keep coming Sunday after Sunday and waited 364 damn days. To see their That's team great. victorious again, it just—you what did you you text me yesterday, man? I'm so happy for the Lions. I did. That's I'm, I'm so freaking happy. I'm so yeah. freaking happy for the Lions. They played 12 games. They have one victory. Let, okay, so let's just start here. They're not a good football team, but they're not a one-win team. They probably should have three so far. They should have. They should be yeah. about three and nine. Um, but but they but they are one ten and one. And they've had a lot of opportunities like yesterday. So you want to talk about analytics. I, now I was watching this watching this game the last three or four minutes and like, oh, don't do it. Dan, don't do it on fourth uh, on fourth and one from his own 30. I, I can't remember what it was. He was in his own <laughs> own side of the field. And whoever was announcing the game said, no, no, he, he probably shouldn't do this. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't do this. Um, and then, then they put up a chart. Analytics says punt. <laughs> like yeah. all the evidence against all the evidence they go for it on fourth down. It's a miserable play. Jared Goff awful fumbles. It's like, okay, just just so many things go wrong on that play. And it right. looks like right. they're about to lose it. And for them to, you know, give up a touchdown, not a field goal. They gave up a touchdown to come back and win that game is awesome. But you're right. His view of Oxford, his his sense of what matters is impressive and I, I can see a cynic saying well, okay. Do you think that makes it better for those who are affected? Yes, it does because when people go through tragedy, uh, obviously it doesn't bring their loved ones back. If they've lost them, it doesn't sure. take the injuries away, but what they're looking for is something to hold on to and for some people they hold on to their faith. Other people just hold on to normal routines. Uh, it, it's like, hey, uh, can I go? Can I watch a game at least? And sometimes it takes your mind away from the well, bigger I'll, thing, or just remind you, you that part of life still or makes that, sense to you, or that you matter, or that it matters. Like I live down the road yes. from Sandy Hook, the world keeps spinning, and we have such a short attention span. Is why you know there's the endless cycle of outrage, and we got to change something, and then next thing you know. Is no He's longer gone. top of mind until the next mass shooting. Right. And so if, if anything for, for those victims and survivors whose worlds are shattered, um, it lets you know that the rest of the world just isn't oblivious to your pain. Um, but if we could pivot back to football, though, I do want to look at the yes. other side. 
of this. We went down mem- uh, football video game memory lane a few a few seconds ago. Yeah, you and I have spent a lot of nights playing Madden too many. Too many. Give you a specific image. I want you to kind of hone in on. Do you remember when you know you pick a play or I pick a play you're on defense and I pick a play. Yeah, and you got like five seconds after I pick a play to pick a play. Yeah. That five seconds goes fast and you may not pick the play you wanted to pick but you had to hurry up and pick a play. Whatever the hell that coverage was that the Vikings defense was in on the last play. It looked like they did not know what the situation was and they got stuck picking the wrong play. Look at it because I think somebody starting with defensive guru Mike Zimmer who I ain't calling for nobody's firing, but it might be time. It might be time for Mike Zimmer. Do you not understand that there's such a thing as a goal line? The plane of which merely has to be broken in order for right. you to score a touchdown. No oh. way should Amon Ross St. Brown have been able to proceed unimpeded across the goal line <laughs> right. unless the Vikings just felt sorry for the Lions. What on earth were they doing in that situation? So last know. week we got a quarterback that doesn't know the center between the don't know the difference between a center and a guard. This week we have an entire defense, none of whom thought to think, yeah, guys, um, we don't need to be playing like we're defending a, a Hail Mary here. Like we gotta make sure we at least don't allow them to get and look at it and, okay, and, and, and to really support what you're saying, all right, look at the game situation. This is one of those uh, you know, in a classroom situation, uh, the defensive coordinator says, Okay, now think about what we're doing. It's fourth down. So it's the last play of the game. Look at the game. It's four seconds. It's four. They, they don't have a lot of time. This is going to be a quick hitting play. It's four seconds. What do we do here? I like wow. I look it's, at him. Dro- it's the dropping hey, back. It's the dropping back. The alignment was fine. The alignment in terms of pr- nah. protecting the end zone. Give up anything in front of you. That's fine. But you don't drop back. I, I, I'm not saying you get up in their face and you jam them. I'm saying don't drop back and allow them to, 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 to settle across the goal line. Why not? That was poor. That was so poorly coached. Why not? Okay, but I'm saying like Chris, Chris Sims. I, I thought about this yesterday. Chris Sims came on last Thursday. I believe it was and he said Jared Goff is the worst starting quarterback in football. Remember that? And I, you know, yeah, I smile because that's my guy. You know, that's my, that's my dude. I was that's I his first win with a coach not named McVay yesterday, by the way. Yeah, first because because they just kind coach of called him out. They scape they scapegoated him in Los Angeles, so I'm rooting for him. So he said it's the worst mm-hmm. starting um, uh, quarterback in football. Nobody blinked because where's the lot? Because yeah, yeah, he, he's in there. He, yeah. He's in the conversation. But if he's not the worst, Water's he's in wet. the bottom five. So yeah. why why are you playing him as if he's capable of making all the throws with accuracy? You could actually have. An aggressive coverage against him. It's like that. Okay. I, I, I remember. I, I remember. Uh, here's a, here's another one. I'm gonna mix sports here for a second. I just remember uh, Kenny Smith saying one time I was talking to him about the Celtics, and he was he was talking about and Rajon Rondo was on the Celtics. He said, you know, teams actually do him a favor when they play off of him. Right. You can see. You can see the floor. He, well, he can see the floor and, and, and see the floor, and that's the one scenario where he, he can make a shot. He said, "Play up on him. <laughs> like if you think he's a bad shooter, don't make a bad, don't give a bad shooter don't make an it open easier. shot. 
So in, in this case, Jared Goff, who is a flawed quarterback, you gave him the perfect scenario by playing back. I would have rushed him because he doesn't handle that well. He, no, he, he didn't well, handle maybe, that well. The maybe, I, I get, I I get your logic, but in that scenario, just protect the end zone. And that includes the goal line. Is, is uh, you know they 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 had the right idea, poor execution. I want him moving around. I mean, and, that, and that's Josh such a Allen. Vikings thing. That's such a Vikings thing to do. Like we talk, we, we have jokes about the Lions, we have jokes about the Bengals, jokes about the Chargers. It, there is not a more tortured fan base than Minnesota. As much as Minnesota, and coming from somebody from New Orleans, has been on the other side of it as well, they experienced their highs. Minnesota finds new and creative ways to not only make a game close, but to lose it. Of all the teams you would have said is going to lose to Detroit, Minnesota would have been at the top of the list. Because that was a very Minnesota Vikings thing to do at the end of that game. Unbelievable. But they congratulations should, to the Lions. Went on Thanksgiving, yeah. though. Oh, look. Some cool Tom Brady stats. Um, <laughs> haven't seen those in a while. Leads the league in passing yards and touchdowns in this, his 22nd season at age 44. His 35 total touchdowns are more than a lot of teams. And here's some more cool stats for you, Michael. Uh, after four touchdown passes against uh, Atlanta yesterday, um, his, that was his first, his first time ever having six games in a single season with at least four touchdown passes. It's the sixth time in NFL history that a player has had six games of at least four touchdowns in one season. And the previous five times, Michael, those guys went on to be MVP. Our Monday MVP, Yahoo's Charles Robinson is here. Charles, basically what I'm getting at is, at this point, sure, a lot could happen, and, and with apologies to... Jonathan Taylor's 18 touchdowns is the MVP at this point. Tom Brady's to lose. Uh, I, you know, I would say that he is leading headed to the clubhouse. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers probably have something to say about it down the stretch. And I'm not going to lie. Um, watching Kyler Murray step back on the field in Chicago in a game that I was like, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's that time of year where it's going to be gusty probably a little chilly. Um, he's going to be, I thought this guy's going to be rusty. It's going to come out and it's going to take him a couple of games. And he looked exquisite. And I thought to myself, I was a little uh, sad that, you know, he had missed that three game stretch, but I, I can't convince myself that Kyler Murray cannot ace the remainder of the season with the Arizona Cardinals. And they, and they have a pretty decent schedule. You know, they got, I mean, in terms of, Hey, you're going to go play the Rams. You're going to play the Cowboys. You're going to play a couple of teams where you're going to be able to show off, you know, yourself on a, on a national stage in front of a, a very big audience. I still think Kyler Murray could try to affect the race, but those are kind of the three guys that I think right now um, are in the conversation. And Tom, yeah, Tom's probably at the top. It's, it's, I, I don't even, it's unfortunate in some ways that, Tom being what he is has become almost blase. He's just so good mm -hmm. that if it were not Tom Brady, if that was Kyler's yeah. name with all those stats, we would be like, right. wow. He'd be, be a runaway MVP. Yeah, yeah whoa. He'd be, be the runaway MVP. Right. Um, let me expand the conversation, though. 
Um, we've been talking about a defensive player maybe being MVP since what 86 um, Since Lawrence Taylor, I believe that was the last one to be MVP if I'm not mistaken um, TJ Watt is on pace for 24 sacks He's leading the league with 16 despite missing two games. He had a dozen I think pressures yesterday. Yeah, and um, He's got company with Reggie White uh, having 13 sacks in uh, was it three straight seasons? Mm. Double check that for maybe three straight seasons. Or maybe it's probably more like yeah. five. Somebody said 13 and three straight. It's probably like five straight seasons. Basically, he and Reggie White and all the people that have had 13 sacks this many years in a row. Could TJ Watt, especially if he breaks straight hand single season record, uh, could he crash the quarterback MVP party? It's it's definitely the first time I think I would have considered a, a defensive player. And and then what we saw him do this weekend, he's coming off of COVID. Um, you know, there there are some unique circumstances as well. Four straight and, seasons, and, by the way. Sorry four to cut straight you off. Seasons. Only two players <laughs> with 13-plus sacks in four straight seasons. T.J. Watt, Reggie White. And, he's, and remember, T.J. had an argument to be a defensive player of the year last year. If he had won it last year, I don't think anybody would have, you know, been that up in arms about it. Um yeah, this is it's an unbelievable tear that he's on. And and what's even more remarkable to me is you said he's missed time, had a COVID diagnosis, um, and yet this is how he's playing. And remember, post contract. I, I know mm-hmm. <laughs> to me that ma- I, I'm not gonna lie, it matters to me. Like to see what Miles yes. Garrett has yes. done post contract, to see what TJ Watt has done post contract, guys who get the contract and then just ball out, continue to ball out like the, the, mm-hmm. the anti Albert Hayes. Says it says a lot. It really yeah. does it to me. It means, and, and I'm never surprised, you know, Aaron Donald, it's all the, all the guys that when you go out into the field, as we do, and we meet some of these players and we walk away going, yeah, that that's a guy who just loves doing what he's doing. He loves to dominate football. He loves to dominate the guy across from loves to be in the locker room. These are the ones that, that you know after they sign a contract, they're going to show up, and, and it's awesome to see that. Yeah, I love that post-contract point um, about T.J. Watt. And, and it, it really, I mean, even before, how about pre-contract? How about getting the deal yeah. done the way he got the deal done? He was like, okay, let's, let's go, let's go. Let's just end this thing right now. Uh, we, we're going to get this contract, and the Steelers, he did something that, was a little unusual and making it happen and the Steelers did something that they had never done before uh, in getting this deal done and paying him more than they've ever paid any other Steeler. But let me ask you, uh, since we're talking about MVPs, let's go back to Brady for a second. You can only pick one. You can only pick one. What's more impressive about Tom Brady, what he's able to do on the field? Is it here? Is it the recognition and the, the, the cerebral nature of Brady? Or is it just physically... He can still get it done at 44. What what jumps out at you more if you say that is his best trait? Is it his mind or is it his arm? I, I think it's his mind because his mind is what's making his body do what it's doing. You know, I think that um, physically to be in the kind of shape he is in his life and at this point in his life and his career takes mental discipline. Okay, first off. Secondly, I think that um, there is an element of if there are physical shortcomings there, we might not be seeing some of them because of the fact of what he can do mentally, um, because of the fact that he can get the ball out so quickly, because of the fact that um, he can throw a, you know, a pick six that a, a defensive player makes a great play this weekend in Atlanta, and 
doesn't mean nothing to him. I mean, he's thrown a couple pick sixes this season, and you know, he either if it's not in inside the game or the next week, he bounces back like it's nothing. I think mentally, that's the. I mean, let's let's be honest. All the, I mean, we're talking about the truly the greatest of the greats, right? When we talk about Jerry Rice, there were things about Jerry Rice that were fantastic in football, but mentally he was strong as hell. And anyone who knew Jerry Rice and understood his dedication to himself in the offseason, physically, um, the way he approached the game, when we talk about Michael Jordan, there was an entire you know documentary miniseries that was basically about him wanting to destroy guys because of his mentality mentally. I think that is always the undersold part of greatness is that almost no one I think I can think of that achieves that level and sustains it without being just mentally better than almost anyone they face for decades. Interesting question. Interesting answer. Uh, also, never not interesting for all the wrong reasons is Antonio Brown. Um, to <laughs> recap, fakes <laughs> a vaccine card. <laughs> then when he gets busted, okay. thanks to his, uh, you know, the, the chef, he, he, uh, he, he, you know, whatever was the way he stiffed. Um, fakes a whole clinic and fakes getting vaccinated <laughs> <laughs> makes up cooks up a story that and try and, and, and presents a clinic on. only to come to find out come that on. that was a lie too. eventually gets vaccinated after the fact suspended three games it should have been closer to eight and would have been closer to eight if not for his own union so having said all that Bruce Arian says nothing's off the table when it comes to Antonio Brown I find it hard to believe that Tom Brady, <coughs> I'm sorry, I beg your pardon, that Bruce Arians and Jason Light are going to cut Antonio <laughs> Brown over this. I see them punting it to, hey, the league handled it. They gave him three games. He's eligible. That's his first strike with us, mainly because he can still help them. Do, do you do you think that the Buccaneers would actually bring themselves to cutting Antonio Brown? I just I think it's. I think if anything, they're letting him squirm right now. I don't think they have the guts to cut him. I, I know it was part of the bit, but you were right the first time it's Tom Brady who cuts this guy, nobody else. <laughs> right. I, I, right. Listen, I, let's be real here. He's there because of Tom Brady. He got the chance because of Tom Brady. Bruce Arians moved. Remember, Bruce Arians had his spot. Antonio Brown was not going to be in the Tampa Bay locker room. He moved off his spot. Why? Because Tom Brady moved him off his spot. Because Tom Brady said, this is the guy who can be an addition. I, I wrote yesterday that Antonio Brown might have done this, but he still has the upper hand when it comes to the Buccaneers and this whole thing. And the reason for that is, when you look at Gronkowski being healthy, okay, you look at the number of catches Chris Godwin had on Sunday, when you look at what Mike Evans brings to the table. 15. If, straight up, as long as the protection holds, okay, there is no way that the Buccaneers do not create a mismatch every single passing play with Antonio Brown also added to the mix. If you have those three wide receivers and that tight end, and, and hey, even Leonard Fournette's balling right now, there's no way that you do not create mismatches against I don't care who it is you're playing as long as the protection holds up. So to me, he is the ace in the hole that they have. They know that. And so he has the upper hand in this. I want to say something else here, too. You know, Bruce Arians comes out, he says he's pissed, right, and all this. The Buccaneers are not blameless in this, okay? Because if the NFL's own investigators simply needed to look at the vaccination cards and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, 
there are three players here who all went 90 minutes away from the facility where they could have gotten the, the shot for free, but they all traveled 90 minutes on the same day to the same facility, <laughs> but did drive together. Maybe, oh, and by the way, one of those guys is a player who cannot be trusted to tell the truth. Maybe the Buccaneers should have done a little more due diligence instead of having Dr. TB12 take photos of vaccination cards and send them in. And by the way, who's not an employee of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, submit these photos of these cards. Okay, so we can't sit here and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can be upset all they want. And, and I get why. The guy blatantly straight up lied. Um, and, and, so, and frankly, by the way, um, Mike Edwards also is a key player there for them. Okay, key depth player in your secondary. Should be mad about that as well. Um, but you could have done yourself um, some justice here early on if you had paid attention and at least said, hey, who might we need to worry about when it comes to the vaccination cards? Yeah. And who will be number one on that list? It's the guy who wanted his helmet so badly with the Raiders. He spray yeah, painted right. himself. That's to right. That's to right. Skirt that loophole. Maybe, maybe this guy is somebody we should take a look and see if there are any irregularities, <laughs> especially now that we know other teams clearly have caught other players doing this and said, you sure you want to submit that? You sure you want to submit this card? Like, think about this. There's a reason why we're asking you, do you want to submit this Vax card? And right. clearly other teams took care of this. So I, I do not hold the Tampa Bay Buccaneers blameless in this. And I would be stunned if he is not um, on the team after the three-game suspension, knowing that the ultimate goal and the ultimate reason why he's there in the first place is to win a Super Bowl, and they will be a better team and more capable of doing that with him on the field. And by the way, I would suspect inside the locker room, there are other players who have a level of understanding when it comes to sure. not wanting to get vaccinated, because I listened to Ezekiel Elliott tell me, here's how I grew up. This is what my household was like. Here's the reasons why I did not want to get vaccinated. He did it, but I did understand what he was telling me about his reticence I'm sure there are other Tampa Bay Buccaneers players who oh, go. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, see, the problem with that, though, the problem with that is because we can all do that, right? I mean, yeah. like the, I, I grew up this way. Well, you know, that your, your premise is that the way you grew up, that everything that was done was the right way to do it or was an acceptable. It maybe was acceptable, but it's not the sure. only way. So if, if I did that, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I'm, I, you know, I'm glad I grew up the way that I did, but at some point you've got to make some decisions and you got to weigh information. You can't just fall back on, well, I grew up this way. And so that's the way it is. If there's an overwhelming amount of information that says maybe you should go in a different direction. But uh, uh, my final question for you, you already uh, touched on it. I'm finally acknowledging this team in Arizona. Finally, uh, the Cardinals. Um, is there any hesitation? I mean, I, I, I keep, I keep, you know, scrutinizing them. Something's wrong. Right. Maybe the quarterback's not that good. Offense's not that I good. Coach is going to fall apart. Is there any issue with the Arizona Cardinals? Are, are they no. just a great team? They are, and and I'll, I'll I'm, I will help you cross that bridge because I had to myself. And there are two things that will help. 
this, okay? Number one is the defense is 100% legit, okay? Like, if you go and just, you know, pick any four or five games this season, watch that defense closely, you know, uh, whether it's Buda Baker. I mean, they have a number of, of you know, star-level defensive players, okay? Um, and that is part of what floated Colt McCoy during a three-game stretch where, what, he goes two and one, they win two, you know, uh, division games on the road. Um, so that is a huge component why you should really like the Arizona Cardinals. Another component, though, and, and it took me longer to catch on to this, is that Cliff Kingsbury has actually shown some growth in his offensive scheme. And what I mean by that is he came into the NFL and it was like, man, Cliff's going to run four wide receivers out there, sometimes five. It's going to be this crazy, ridiculous shotgun spread stuff all the time. They're running the ball really well. And they're running it in a way that you can see they've taken James Conner into the fold and augmented a little bit of what Cliff um, was doing at Texas Tech to make them a little more of a run-dominant team that's not not just um, predicated on, like, RPOs with Kyler, okay? That shows a, a nice step forward for Cliff Kingsbury, and it shows a nice step forward for the Arizona Cardinals that they can mature a little bit and move the offense forward, um, which is what you want to see out of a young quarterback, um, a young coach, and the two kind of building and growing together. And then beyond that, we just get back to the things we've already talked about. Kyler's playing at an unbelievable level. His touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins um, it, against the Bears where they tucked it on the inside of the pylon was one of the best throws you would have seen on Sunday, okay? Um, yeah. He's, he doesn't look like he's forcing anything. I think as long as he just doesn't take some kind of punishment, again, he sits down the ankle uh, for three games. You can't see that happen again. But remember, too, there's another thing we should like here. They, they slow played that so that he could come back at 100%. It was clearly the right yeah. Third team to win seven straight road games by double-digit margins in one season. The next wow. road game Crazy. is at Detroit in week 15. They may not have to travel come playoff time, but whatever they're doing does travel. Chuck, we appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks for showing up the hair, too, man. First day without a hat. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, take care, guys. Be good. All right. All right, Chuck. Um, while, while I'm in a, a, a stat mode, Michael, uh, the Dolphins mode. head into their bye, having made uh, history themselves. Fourth team in NFL history to win five in a row after starting the season with a one and seven record. And after their week 14 bye, they get to play the New York Jets. So they could be sitting there at 500 with a quarterback yeah. looking mighty, mighty comfortable since the Deshaun Watson news stopped and a, a record-setting rookie wide receiver. Damn, Thomas, that's a dope jacket. Is that leather? Yeah, it is. What are the <laughs> it's, it's got a green to it, too, just so you guys know. It's Tom Ford. That's that Tom Ford joint. <laughs> Killing him with it. He had that, laid out, he had that outfit that's laid like, out last night. Like, Killing and, you know, him. And, you know, hey, hey, Smith, you know who uh, rolled with Tom Ford? You know who does that? That's James Bond. So James Bond is is is, is where Tom Ford suits, Tom Ford jacket. James, forget James Bond. He looking like James Dean in this mug, man. He looking good. <laughs> All right, uh, Thomas Dimitrov, our, our resident general manager's in here, man. You know Brian Flores very well. Um, you know we we knew he was a good coach, but it looked like at one point that the bottom may be falling out on this team, and maybe it wasn't Sean Drama. 
who the hell knows? But from your vantage point, what's coming together so well for the Miami Dolphins? Slash, how dangerous can they be down the stretch if not in the playoffs if they if they find their way there? Well, look, we we know Brian. All three of us know Brian. Brian is a together person. Brian and the way things are working within that organization and Chris Greer, they work together in you know in stride, step by step. They're working together. They understand each other. They understand the talent they're looking for and the systems they're looking for. I think they communicate really, really well together. Look, I was one of those people, Michael, at the beginning of the season. I was really concerned about where Tua was, and now you watch Tua – you watch Tua operate, a la, interestingly enough, Patriots paradigm, put him in the right spot, don't force him to go deep, let him grow and continue to learn. He does a really good job maintaining it at a certain level, which has been impressive to see since a lot of the naysayers out there, back to your Deshaun Watson comments, and, and then fold that into the idea that things are coming along so well with their defense what? That's kind of Patriot-esque as well. Have that really kick-butt defense, grow and learn with your offense. To me, it's, it's a recipe for, for, you know, continued success. Be interested to see how it will play out, however. Right. Is, there a, is there a team that you're looking at here, uh, Thomas, and you're saying, okay, they're about to make a run, or, or you, you're feeling like there's some momentum with them? Because we already mentioned uh, Arizona, I, I'm finally looking at Arizona saying, wow, uh, they may be a great team. Is that the team? And if not them, uh, what other team is, is catching your eye? Well, it, it definitely is. I don't, I don't want to just jump on the bandwagon to watch what Steve Kime and company are doing there and have done there this year. Going into a year that was very precarious, uh, had a lot of conversations with Steve, of course. Love how he operates with the head coach. I mean, he should be not going anywhere. I know there was some talk about maybe having opportunities. I love how those two guys approach, again, the team building. I love how they're coming along at so many different levels. They have a, a, a confidence about them and an air about them that, quite honestly, I wouldn't have wanted to play, you know, if I were to still be in my job coming against the, the Cardinals now, the way that they're operating, again, as an organization and as a, as a former team builder, that would have been one of the teams that I was very concerned about because they have something about them and they have a lot in their background saying, we're going to show all these people that have been throwing darts over the years who are saying that we were, we should have been moved on as team builders. Again, back to, to Steve and coach. I think that's very important. I love the way they're operating right now. I think it's a really cool organization. You're touching on something that I want to get into with you. Um, hey, look, Hey, play, play the game, get your money. But the, the Cliff Kingsbury rumors uh, seemed a lot more like an opportunity to say, hey, I'm in the last year of my contract. I may have leverage here. Now, obviously, you know, Oklahoma has is, is since uh, hired Venables from Clemson, which is a really good hire, by the way, uh, as an aside. But I really want to talk to you about the astronomical or the ascending uh, salaries when it comes to college coaches and the impact that it's going to have on NFL coaches and, and, and that salary structure as a team builder. Uh, what kind of attention should ownership upper management be paying uh, to coaches salaries in college and how does it maybe inform some of the decision making when it comes to how much they may may not want to pay a head coach at an NFL level. This is a really deep conversation gentlemen at a lot of levels and we could talk for for hours on it. My, my strong opinion out the gate is it's 
I do believe this, and, and the owners, please don't get mad at me for saying this, but most general managers and head coaches in the NFL are looking towards collegiate coaches. When you see collegiate coaches making the numbers they're making, the nine-plus million dollars a year, uh, the numbers that are, that are apparently astronomical, that is a really somewhat soothing feeling for, for our management and our team builders within the NFL because they realize that there is no way, I don't think, that the owner is going to look at that and say, okay, we're going to be seeing these college coaches making exponentially more money than, than up-and-coming head coaches. Think about this, gentlemen. When I first got back in here in 2008, and this is not even that long ago, but modern day, our head coaches were making an average of probably $2.5 million a year when Mike Smith and I jumped in. And look where they are now for some of these new head coaches. Look what's going on you know, in the collegiate ranks. Again, I think it's really good. People are getting paid. They're getting paid, uh, paid commensurate with what they deserve and, and what, quite honestly, organizations are earning in the NFL. We see that. And what co- colleges are earning. So I think it's really good. I know a lot of people out in the world have a tough time comprehending these numbers, but you always go back when you're talking about CEOs of massive corporations within the United States and the world and the money that those CEOs are making, it's not that far off. So, okay, so you look at these numbers at, at college, at the college level, will we start seeing that in the pros? I mean, in some cases, we have some of the upper tier coaches, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, are already, you know, at that number or higher. We start seeing it when owners come in and say, okay, let me tear up your contract and make it good. Or will it be the next guy coming from college to the pros who's going to kind of alter the salary structure? In other words, how's that pro structure going to be altered in your opinion? I know we're guessing, but how do you think it changes? Michael, let me let me start by saying, and I don't mean to mock that that question about college coaches coming to pro. We, we don't need to be laughing about that right now. That's a whole other situation. But it's going to set the tone. And again, how many times that we've looked at the pay scale when we're hiring head coaches and we're looking at position coaches and coordinators making the money they're making? Again, we look at that and then we start looking at our own our own staffs and our own head coach. So, yes, it's the next contract. It's not right now. They're not tearing up the contracts. But when the next contract comes up for a stellar head coach in the NFL or a good head coach and above, they are going to be market increases, I can imagine, especially, especially seeing what's going on in the collegiate ranks. I think, again, mm-hmm. there is no way in the world that these owners, and these owners are competitive as well, it's, they're going to be working hand in hand. It's, it is quite amazing to see the numbers going where they are. Not only with head coach gentlemen, head coaches, gentlemen, you start seeing the coordinators around the league and you start seeing exactly. the assistant coaches, position coaches. It's unbelievable. Step back a minute. I remember when Mike Smith got fired from us in, in Atlanta and he went to be the, the, the uh, coordinator at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if I recall correctly, he was the first guy to break the three million dollar mark as a coordinator. That was a number of years mm-hmm. ago. So it's, it's pretty amazing to think of coordinators making $3 million plus, And believe me, it's exponentially more with the top-seated top uh, uh, coordinators. See how that, how that works, which is a whole other topic, gentlemen. You get GMs, I'm going to speak about this, who are making X amount of money, and they're seeing their coordinators now making 3 4 and $5 million potentially, not 5 but 3 and 4 and they're making more than the average general manager. A coordinator, not a head coach, Mike, 
not a head coach, but a coordinator. And Michael, you know that they can buy all the Tom Ford they want to buy. They're, they know that those numbers are moving and they're moving fast. And it's not easy for a, for a GM to sit back and see a head coach making 9, 10, 11, 12, 14 million and to have a GM who has ostensibly may have final football say making two and a half or three. That's a, that's a complicated thing to see for a lot of these guys. Well, it, and then see, you're right. And I don't mind. We got a little time. Like, I don't know about you. I, I like this rabbit hole we, because then you're talking about the dynamic of partnerships where would, you know, did the GM hire the coach was the coach hired first. Did they fire yeah. the, the GM and keep the coach? You know, there's there's that part. But then I also just to play devil's advocate with you and you talked about the coordinator of the staff salaries as well. Thomas, I saw this tweet earlier. $94.4 million has been spent in 2021 on coaching buyouts in college football. So think about the amount of turnover in the NFL and how very few coaches are, you know, or, or get second or third contract opportunities. Like there's this, there's very few long tenure coaches in the NFL. I wonder if it'll just be reserved for your Belichick's, your Harbaugh's, your Tomlin's to start making, let's call it college money. But maybe what if everybody else is just being turned over and because you're talking about am I going to commit, you know, te- in, in the teens for millions of dollars to a head coach who I may be firing two years from now or three years from now, depending on how it goes. Does that make sense? I just wonder if it's like a select few hit the jackpot and the rest of them are kind of there's no middle class. In other words, in, in terms of head coaches, it's just turned over at the bottom. Well, I think there's going to be the, the the high upper upper echelon who are making those unbelievable numbers, but it is increasing across the lines. There's no question. Is there a middle class? Well, if you're if you're arguing whether a middle class is seven, eight, nine million dollars a year, well then we're we're a little bit off. You and I need to go back and, and study economics a little bit because that is <laughs> crazy how things. If if we're considering that middle class, I will also say, gents. I mean, you know this when it comes to money. Back to owners for a second. I mean, owners are very cognizant of what's going on around them in other leagues. You can you can talk about basketball. Some of our brethren in the basketball side, you know, the, the numbers for GMs are really, really high for their upper tier general managers, as well as their coaches, of course, some of those guys. You look at baseball as well, and you start talking about all of this. It's a it's a topic of conversation. And then we come back to again, like like you said, the assistants and coordinators, which we think about, which is a big topic. And then you start talking about middle class. Is it going to affect everyone else? Hell yes, it's going to affect everyone else. It, there's, there is no, there's no doubt about it. And it's going to affect the agents coming in who are now saying, using all of this, not only professional comparisons, their comparatives are now being drawn from college saying, wait a minute, you're paying a college coach. Yes, he's a college coach, maybe the best college coach in the world, but he's a college coach. There's no way they should be making five, six, or seven million dollars, or whatever it may be, than a pro a pro ahead, head coach. Mike. Do I do, do Mike? Want, I know what you want. You want me to do it, or you want to do it? You want me to do it? You want me to do it? You want to do it? I'm gonna see. You sure? Let me okay. See how, if you Cause, represent cause, cause, my opinion in a fair way, so go ahead. Let's see okay. how if you're a fair man. Okay. Go ahead. All right, because 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 technically it was your turn. Okay, uh, Thomas, Michael, and I have this back and forth, and um, let's see. All right, I'm gonna do it fairly, Michael. I'm gonna do it fairly. Okay. He says that he he says that college coaching is easier, not easy, but easier. To which I respond, I just think that's disrespectful. I think it's different, 
and the challenges and, and, and the process is different, but I wouldn't dare say that Nick Saban, for example, takes a back seat to Bill Belichick just because Bill Belichick has achieved his greatness on a professional level, whereas Saban has done it on the college level. I just think it's different, but teaching and coaching even if you're talking about players at the highest level, I get it's the highest level at the NFL. Yeah, right, 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 right. But I just don't know that I would say it's easier. Would you agree with that? That it's easier than NFL coaching? I would start. I would start by saying not to disparage college coaches in any way. And you're like, oh, here we go. I would only say there are some amazing college coaches that um, that that do an ama- do amazing work within their world. I would also say, remember this, Michael, that in in college, you have an army of people working for you as a head coach. You mm-hmm. you know, you have yes, you have restrictions, but you have levels that they don't even talk about. They're not on the field, but they we won't even get into that. You know that there are so many levels of employees that are supporting the Nick Sabans of the world and, and sure. Kirby Smarts of the world, which is great. That's how the system is set up. In the NFL, you have to be the head coach who is the co-team builder with the GM, and then you have your staff of 20 to 25 to 30, and, and then you have your personnel department that you're working with. I would say, and I hate to part you two guys, I would say it seems like the NFL has a lot more on their plate in this. In this. Now, they're not dealing with recruiting and all the other minutia, so that part of collegiate coaching is complicated. Right. But as far as team building and putting the team together, I would just have to lean toward the idea that it's, it's, it is really, really um, difficult and tough to be a, a head coach in the NFL. Ergo, I appreciate you. That. Yeah. I thank you for being diplomatic. Thank you for being, thank you yeah. for putting that nicely. Instead of saying hey. like, Michael, get the hell out of here. Because Michael Holly, hey. I recognize that no NFL team lines up and could just say, we got better athletes than you do, and you got no chance of winning. Like every NFL yeah. team, the other guys are getting paid too. I get all of that. I just don't like you disrespecting great college coaches. You know what I wonder? All. You know what I wonder, Michael and Thomas? I wonder about the grueling recruiting season right now for Alabama. Uh, <laughs> seven out of eight, seven out of eight years in the college football playoff, uh, undefeated last year, won it. How many times have they won it? I mean, they always. I, okay, I'm going to tell you, their recruiting class in 2023 or 24 will either be. One, two, or three. I mean, come on. They make it look easy. He makes it look easy. The guy is doing Aflac commercials now. No way Nick Saban would have been doing that. I mean, things are happening <laughs> right. a little bit. Yeah. He's That's sitting doing Aflac commercials. I can't believe it sometimes. Does a hell of a job That's with true. him given who, you know, his background. We don't expect the sort of Belichickian uh, uh, group to do that, but that's what's happening. He's yeah. a rock star now. Nick Saban, rock star. Final question for you. We've talked about, and I, I just want to, you know, given your background, I want you to weigh in on this. I, I wonder if you thought when you were uh, your last season with the Patriots, uh, the 2007 season, I believe it was, and, you know, Tom Brady is 30 years old. If you thought, yeah, you know, in 15 years, 14 years, <laughs> Tom Brady will still be the top quarterback in the NFL. I mean, this is just mind-boggling to me. How do you process it? No, it's mind-boggling. Even though, as you know, my, my penchant for eating well and, and mind, body, and soul, I thought when he started eating that many avocados, like, 
this cat's got something, man. I think he's lasting a little longer than the rest. But no, I'm I'm completely floored by it, and I love seeing it. I think it's I think it's great for the league to know that we can continue to pay people who are focused and all about winning and competitive. I think that's such a special mark for a guy like that. So I love seeing it. I got one last question before we let you go is how do you see tonight's game playing out? Um, you know, I've, mm. I've been crazy thing is I've been on the Patriots bandwagon and I've had to drag Mr. New York Times bestselling author Boston Sports Tonight co-host onto the Patriots bandwagon with me crazy enough. So at Buffalo tonight, uh, I, I like the Patriots to win this thing. Um, even against a tough opponent. I love their defense. I think they've done what y'all always did in New England back in the day, Thomas, which was just get better as the year goes on. And Buffalo, for as talented and as good a team as they are, they seem to find ways, whether it's penalties or untimely turnovers, of beating themselves. How do you see tonight's game going? Well, let me start by saying Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean, I think that couple of head coach and GM are second to none as far as how they operate together. Very important that I lead in because I think they've done some really special things with that organization. They have this sort of Socratic thought and approach, know what they know and know what they don't know and understand it together and deal. That's what a true coaching head coach relationship is, making sure that they work together. And I think they do a really, really good job with that. Let's flip over, as you know, however, to the, to the Patriots and I've said this, and people get sick and tired of hearing me kind of as the homie because I'll always have an appreciation for Bill at all. And here is Bill Belichick, who is the best ever, arguably, and you have a genius-like offensive coordinator who takes a quarterback and utilizes him and the talent around him to the best of their ability, which is, by the way, key, which is, by the way, very important when you're putting the numbers that we're talking earlier on coordinators. If that coordinator is, is adept at – utilizing his talent effectively, man, I think the sky's the limit. I think Josh and his approach with Bill with an amazing defense, I think a really, really good defense. Uh, as much as I like the Bills and their development, uh, I really like where New England is right now going into this game. All right, Thomas Dimitrov, we appreciate right, you, man. Uh, and definitely appreciate that jacket. I don't That's know if there's a... Uh, you know, NFL That's modeling right. opportunity for you or and something like that. Talk about commercials. You need to be in commercials. <laughs> and I'm just trying to keep the gray hair in check. It's not stopping. <laughs> and All right, brother, you, thank and you. And the great thing is, I think it's about. I think it's my size. I think I can fit it. If you were so inclined, I don't to know if you can pull it on. off. I don't know if, if you so, can pull it so off. So inclined. Oh, oh, not man, like that. Not like that. I know you guys got to leave. The hair. You, you got to leave here quickly. I had a closet full over the years. I hate to admit this of Montclair purchases, and I've been dealing them out to a number of my friends who are coming by who are cyclists who are fairly, fairly slim there, Michael. And I'm like, hey, look, maybe I just need to clear my closet figuratively and literally speaking as I change my world. So it's, it's, okay. it's kind of helping me kind of clean my mind and cleanse my world a little bit. I'll have to share some pounds before I can get in your good, clothes. So. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Be good, I got man. people, I got so people in Atlanta. I got people <laughs> down there. I might be in the neighborhood. You got it. We got to finish what we start. We ain't finished yet. We got one more. All to Atlanta, baby! 
everybody involved, I love you and I appreciate you. All the support staff, everything that went into it. This is not just the guys on the field, this is certainly not me. This is everybody included. So give yourself a round of applause. And we talked to one star head coach and Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame earlier in the show. I want to yeah. give a shout out to another star head coach. That was SWAC coach of the year, SWAC championship yeah. winning, uh, 11 and 1, undefeated Good in job. conference head coach Deion Sanders down at Jackson State. And uh, I got to say, man, look, when Deion Good first took the gig, this was his first, this was his first yeah. full season. Uh, he had the the shortened season. I think they went four and three, um, but this is his first full fall. It was a pandemic shortened season. First full fall season, go eleven and one. Uh, the energy, the attention he's brought to his program. I like Dion becoming a coach. I didn't know he was going to become a star coach. And I know there were the rumors about Texas Christian. I'm glad he didn't go anywhere. I love to see him continue to build an HBCU power, be a modern day Eddie Robinson, uh, if you will. And start to put Eddie HBCU. Eddie players. ain't rocking like that though. Eddie ain't rocking like no. that back in the day. Hey, well, and hey, you know what else Eddie wouldn't have done? Rest in peace. To yeah, the, to I the know. Greatest. Eddie probably wouldn't have brought Brittany Renner to speak to right. his team. But that's Deion Sanders. Now, if you don't know Brittany Renner, uh, Brittany Renner's an author. Uh, she's an Instagram uh, influencer, IG yeah. model, I, I, whatever you want to call her. Let's just say she's controversial in some circles, okay? Oh, why? Uh, why? In, in why, these is she why is she controversial? We, why, I ain't got why? time to get into all of that. I ain't got time to get into why? it. What do you mean? You do your research. You're a communicator. I literally don't have time. I'm serious. <laughs> it's, it's, too, it's too much. Point being, this is Dion not only being a head coach, but a life coach. And as he said to his players, I'm here to let's help somebody put you up on game. And uh, I don't know if you saw the video, Mike, but there was one point where he said this joke over here. What he said, he ain't took notes all year. He ain't take notes all year, right? (laughs) Nah, he's taking notes. But it's like this man is trying to educate. He's trying to educate his players for life. I thought it was a brilliant coaching decision for somebody who is showing himself to be a brilliant coach and not just a show, not just athletic commercials. As we talked about that with Thomas right Dimitrov earlier. Yeah. It's a great yeah. coach. It's a great coaching decision right there. It's a great coaching. On move. the field. Great coaching on the field. Bruh, he ain't need to bring her in there. Uh, who was that? She said, it's for somebody. Is that for you? Who's that for? I'm like, who is that for? I got no objection what to it. You? I like Brittany Come on. I got no objection to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to put you up on game. Like, okay, coach, we probably know more game than you do. At this stage of our lives versus this stage of your life, it's just—it's not the same as it was as it was when you played. But he—but he clearly has his pulse on that. But wait, that's what I'm saying. Like, there was no such thing as DMs back in the day. There was no Instagram in Dion's day. But you ain't gonna tell me Dion don't know what's what in these streets. No matter what the technology may be, Dion Sanders knows what it is off the field. He been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Okay, if he's been there, if he's done that, he got the t-shirt, he could probably tell them without the assistance of the author, Miss Renner. Right? He could I mean he could. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Go 
don't, okay. I don't, I don't know on. what it is you want to say that should bite your I, tongue I, from I, saying. Hey, I don't man, know what it is, stop. but stop. I'm gonna just he guess that like, I would disagree with you. I respectfully disagree. Yeah, okay, with you. you think I, I think the players enjoyed it. I think the players enjoyed right. having her there. Right. But did she need? Is it a need to have? Is this better? Are we a better football team because of this? Yes, they're a better a, team. Okay. If you don't, if you don't think there's a correlation between Brittany Renner's visit and them beating Prairie View A and M, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and I, shout out Prairie I'm View. Kidding. Shout I'm out kidding. Prairie View, by the way. Because remember, you know, remember back in the day, Prairie View had that long, oh, long losing streak. Oh, they it, was, it, it was. I'm up not there. sure. It was somebody it was broke Prairie View's record because Prairie View had. But all, but, but all jokes aside, can we acknowledge that yeah. Deion Sanders? This it's is his calling, it's and that creative. Deion Sanders is, yeah. is is no. But I'm just saying in general, in general, just congratulations on what he's done at Jackson State with some help from his, you know, his, his sons. But it's like what he's done at J- Jackson State is probably more than I think most would have expected for a first-time coach. You know, sure. like I think it was like, oh, okay, Dion's gonna be all about Dion. It's gonna be a sideshow. You know, he's about a podcast. He's got a TV. It's prime time. Blah blah blah. Like, I just want a swag title. Before we go though, I got I got to get something way, off my chest. Mike. By the way, oh yeah, go by ahead. the way, yeah. Uh, yeah, get this off your chest. But what? By the way, she said she checks her DM. She's got more checks than Nike. Okay, she had she dropped the ball. <laughs> on, I saw. Okay. I saw. I, I peeped. I peeped it. So look. Yeah. Check okay. It. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Last week I was pissed off at Brian Kelly because I thought it was foul, albeit for $100 million, to leave when your team had a chance to get in the playoffs. But I got over it because Marcus Freeman. Uh, today, the last couple of days, we reached a new low with this Miami coaching hire. They hired Cristobal from, uh, and he's you know an alum from Miami, but they hired Mario Cristobal from uh, from Oregon. But I thought if I could quote the late great Bernie Mac. AKA Dollar Bill from Players Club, they used yeah. to be honor amongst thieves. And I always thought that that was a code. Now, there's been all kinds of reports about Miami's the search being like all over the place and too many cooks in the kitchen. I thought there was a code that you could not interview or entertain a job that was occupied. That's what we're doing in these streets now. We hiring coaches and negotiating with coaches while your current coach is on the recruiting trail. That was yeah. so dirty. And look I'm, not, I'm look, sorry, look, you can say Michael grow up. That's the game. That's the way it's no, played. No, no, nah, man. No, I this agree is with on you. I agree with you. Crystal ball should have said, if you want me, you got to get rid of you got. I'm not, not going to interview for a job or negotiate a contract for a job. That's not vacant. That's fine. And karma is a you know what? That ain't cool. How about this though? I, I put, bring, bring that back up. Bring that. Bring that. Uh, that, that tweet back up. That that bottom tweet is just insane. The bottom tweet says, "Okay, deadline today, midday today. He already accepted the job. We know that. Yeah. If he declines, yes. he has his retained. Okay, like how, how does that? How is that with workplace culture support? You got my back. You really have my back." This is a guy who has uh, turned the pro, gotten the program going in a different direction. Like Miami's been down for a long time. We know that. Been down for a long time. He's got a winning record with the Hurricanes. He finished five and one. Had a five and one stretch to finish seven and seven and five this year. And they just move on 
because they want somebody else. You're right. I'm with you. you if know, you really want somebody else, else fire Diaz and then proceed with your search. And then proceed they with your search done after you fire the coach. There's a right way to do things. There's a right and a wrong way to love somebody, said Keith Sweat. And there's a right and a wrong way to find a head coach.